0: Hello, Chris Addison. Hello! <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. So, for people who don't know, you are. Oh, fine. You're a stand up. Yes. Do you know what? I'm going to play a little clip of you doing stand up. Oh, Is fine, all right? Lovely. Yeah, okay. it'll save me
1: doing it. At Easter time, there's a town in Spain where they throw a donkey off. <laughs> off. <laughs> we throw the donkey of the church to <laughs> so commemorate the time that Jesus. Yes. Ah, oh, f off. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to outdo each other. It's like Pamplona started it. we like, okay, we run the bulls through the streets, let me kill them in the ring, yeah? Well, f you, we're gonna throw a donkey off a church, yeah? <laughs> f you, we're gonna fight a pig at the cliff, yeah? <laughs> f you, we're gonna get a giraffe, put him in a dress, put him on roller skates, push him down a hill, yeah? <laughs> f you, we're gonna get an elephant, blow in his trunk till he burst. No. <laughs>
0: I'm briefly interrupting to let you know that I'm Marsha from yesyesmarsha.com, and this is from a series of interviews that I did from 2009 to 2011 called Marsha Meets, which were long form interviews with stand up comedians that eventually inspired the book Off the Mic The World's Best Stand Up Comedians Get Serious About Comedy. That book's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. Back to the interview. So you are a stand-up, but you're also yeah, like me, just now. a capillion other things. You have done tele-acting. You're in The Thick of It.
1: I am in The Thick of It.
0: Which, for anyone that doesn't know, is Armando Iannucci's. It's kind of yes-minister-crossed with Curb a Your Enthusiasm. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: sort of, yeah. yeah. I think the, uh, the high-concept pitch... Uh, that they used to sell it to the viewers originally, was uh, it's uh, Yes Minister Meets the Office. Because it's kind of a workplace sitcom in some respects, but it's about the idiots who run the country really badly.
0: Right. And also, you have your own sitcom. I do. Which is quite a different style, Lab Rats. Yes,
1: that's a really different style. It's in front of a studio audience and everything. It's like the old days.
0: And you write that as well, as I do. I write
1: that with my friend Mr Carl Cooper.
0: And as well as that... uh, You have to do something else. (laughs) Well, you do. busy. Have
1: you not heard what else I'm doing?
0: (laughs) You've done radio shows. You won a Sony Award. I
1: did. That's true. I did. And I made the single most ungracious acceptance speech of all time. Which was what? Well, Lauren Laverne was up for the Sony Award at the time. And Lauren and I are very, very old, very, very good friends. And she'd said to me that if I didn't win the Sony Award, she would kick some throats off. There was a swear word in there as well. Uh, And I was quite drunk by the time I went up on stage. And I said, thanks very much for this I really appreciate it and if Lauren Laverne doesn't win tonight I'm going to kick some swearing throats off Uh, to a pretty bewildered response I have to (laughs) say uh, and uh, it wasn't until the next morning that I realised what an absolute idiot I've been.
0: But it's more interesting than saying And I'd like to thank my producer Yes and... that's
1: true but it would have been gracious of me to thank those people who have put a lot of time I'd, in fact I'd like to take this opportunity now to redress about uh, to thank my producer and, uh, and my cast and co-writers for the work that they went into this Sony award winning The Ape That Got Lucky. There you go Thanks. job done. Oh yeah I feel like I've, uh, I've laid a ghost to rest now.
0: So as well as that you've written a couple of books.
1: I, I have I got one of them about two hours ago in my hand for the first time it's so exciting but it came during lunch so so I had to finish lunch did anyway. You get sticky lunch fingers. On yeah, it? it's ruined. It's absolutely ruined. It's pointless. We're going to have to go to Waterstones now, um, uh, and I can't. I can't bear. That's going to look bad, isn't it? Buying your own book. You wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't want to I did do that once. I, I did a radio show, and uh, and they said, could you bring in a competition prize to give away?" And it was to promote that the last book that I did. And I thought, I, d- I don't have any copies of that book. I'm going to have to, and I went to Borders on the Charing Cross Road in London, and had to buy three copies of this book. Did
0: you feel like J.R. Hartley? I felt...
1: (laughs) There's there's one for anyone who who grew up in the 80s, but yeah, I did, I felt exactly like J.R. Hartley. But did they
0: notice when you were buying it?
1: Well, the great thing is, of course, that you think, oh, I'm going to look like an absolute idiot. I'm going to look like an idiot. Oh, oh, this is so embarrassing. You hand it over. They don't know who I am. They're, why would they know who I am? So now I feel like an idiot for thinking I feel like an idiot. <laughs> so now I'm actually thinking, wait a minute, they didn't recognise me at all. Oh, now I'm an arrogant idiot. Oh, <laughs>
0: never mind. So you do all of those things. Yes. And also, you're going to be in a movie. Yeah. With Tony Soprano. With Tony
1: Soprano. I know, do it's wanna- really exciting. Well, it's called In The Loop. It's by... The team that made the thick of it. Uh, so, if you've seen that show, if you're a fan of that show, I think you might be, you'll need it explaining to you a bit because it happens in the same world, which is the world of politics, and it features a lot of the same cast, but most of us are playing different characters, uh, except for Peter Capaldi, who plays Malcolm Tucker, uh, who's the kind of Alistair Campbell character. Uh, and it's a brilliant performance. He's got nominated for awards and everything for it, uh, and won some too. And uh, so he plays the same character. We all play different characters. But because it's about the British government and the American government deciding to go to war, uh, it's got an American cast in it as well, and it's headed up by Tony Soprano. And that is quite something to do with your day. what's the stage right with that now? Basically done, really. Done and ready to... Ready to roll sooner or later. So what
0: was it like then? Did you actually work with James Gandolfini? I
1: did. I did. I have one scene with uh, with James and, um, in the end, uh, my character. But my character's quite obsessed with him. You see, my car- So it, it was important that he only have this one thing. My character's kind of... Because uh, James plays uh, General Miller, who's this American general who doesn't want uh, the war to go ahead. And my character's just a little bit of a fanboy uh, which is ironic really because of course that's more or less our relationship but yeah it was it was extraordinary to do it's very difficult though it struck me that it must be hard for people like James Gandolfini who are so completely familiar as one really really well regarded and well-loved character you know for 10 years we've been staring at him as Tony Soprano he's burned into my retina as a, a mob boss so you, every so often you kind of have to go. Uh, that is just a, a man there over, over there. Don't worry if if he doesn't appear to be terribly happy. It's just that, it's just maybe, I don't know, maybe that's not a nice sandwich. I don't think he's going to kill you. <laughs> there was, was a point in rehearsal where uh, where he was asking, he was talking to Armando about some character point and Peter Capaldi had kind of drifted off a bit because he was, he was fiddling with his camera because Pete likes to take uh, pictures of the rehearsals and stuff. And he was drifting off whilst and fiddling with this whilst James and Armando were talking. And, and he was sat right next to Gandolfini, who, to illustrate a point to Armando, turned around to Peter and... Swore so threateningly in Peter's face, immediately that Peter basically fell off his chair <laughs> <laughs> because from nowhere he, he, you know, he left the room in his head. He wasn't there anymore. Suddenly, Tony Soprano was in his face, threatening to kill him. It was, it's yeah, quite quite an odd life he must lead. <gasps>
0: and so, when is that going to be out?
1: Well, I think it's probably out in the spring. I think that's that's the plan at the moment is to is to bring it out in the spring. But uh, but it's up to other people. It's not it's not nailed down yet.
0: And it's called the it's loop.
1: called in the loop. In the loop. In the loop.
0: So loads of different things yeah. that you do if you had to pick one.
1: Do you know what I was thinking about this earlier? I, I, and I think it would probably be. Well, it's always the one that you're not doing at the moment, isn't it? That's that's usually. It. I think it would probably be stand up. For sheer visceral enjoyment, it's there's nothing better than stand-up. I did um, up the creek, which is one of um, London's most famous comedy clubs. But in terms of alternative comedy and the history of alternative comedy, it's kind of it's one of the 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 original clubs. It's got such a fantastic history and. And it's an amazing club to play. And whilst I've been sitting in my shed writing books and sitcoms and acting and so on, I've not done a lot of live stand-up. And I went back the other day and did Up the Creek and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I'd forgotten because you... Well, I hadn't quite forgotten, but I'd forgotten the extent to which it's fun. Because it's if you're writing or if you're acting in something to be shown at a later date, you don't get any immediate feedback from people in the same way that you do when you're, when you're doing a live performance. When you're doing a live performance... You're, uh, you know, you. It's just there in front of you, this wave of energy, or not, you know, a room for you to control or attempt to control. And uh, it was just great. They were a fantastic audience. It was a wonderful gig. Things happening in the room that made it exciting, that you have to deal with on the fly, and that's what makes a gig great. And um, yeah, you can't get any of that in the. In 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 the in the acting and the writing bits. It's just it's it's so much slower a process. So I think after two or three years of doing that I'm really, really looking forward to standing on a stage and just talking to people.
0: I heard this is unsurprising given how many different things you're doing, but that before you became a stand up you really wanted to be a theatre director.
1: Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah
0: for ages yeah yeah and yeah. did you did you actually direct some things
1: yeah well I, I did it after uh, there was a thing in my school that, um, some people came back after they left the year after they left in the September before they went to university and directed a play and I did that and now I went to Germany my year off and directed an English play over there and I did stuff at university we took up to Edinburgh and all of that and that was it so as a, as a kind of as an adolescent amateur I suppose I did it but never in, any, in anything approaching uh, an attempt at a professional capacity
0: is that tempting though? There's a lot of actors going to directing.
1: There are. There are a lot of actors going to stand-up, as it turns out. Well, I do, yeah, I, I still love it. I, lo- I do still like going to the theatre, and I do still find myself, when I'm in the theatre, watching it from uh, how-have-they-done-that viewpoint. But I think that's also a writer's thing as well. You do Once you start writing things, I find myself watching the television, watching great drama and, and stuff going, now, how have they done that exactly? That's, you know... and. Uh, a mark for me of something that's really really good is the thing that makes me stop doing that, the thing that makes me forget to do that, that's that's when you know you're watching something great, that's what, it's like the wire I don't know how they made the wire because it's too good, it's too good for me to sit and dissect how they've done it, I'm too excited about the story um, but yeah so I've never, yeah I don't know I don't know, I, would, I wouldn't mind doing it I mean I, when I went into stand-up I never kind of meant to go into stand-up and that's meant that everything that I've done I've never had any grand ambition that I'm moving towards and that everything must be a step on the way to or anything like that and whilst that could make you a bit directionless on the other hand it means it gives you the opportunity to try whatever comes along and that's quite exciting which is why I've done all those things that you've that you've mentioned really so if uh, if I got the chance maybe I could do some theatre directing
0: I heard as well that before you wanted to be a theatre director for, for a lot of your childhood you wanted to be a doctor
1: oh yeah 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 but that's a standard middle class child uh, I mean that's what you do you, you're you taught to be to want to be a doctor but also my dad my dad's doctor And so, you know, and and so, of course, I wanted to be a doctor because that's what he did. He's great.
0: Could you see that as, you know, maybe a retirement plan? A retirement (laughs) plan? What, seven years of medical school (laughs) and uh, astonishing
1: 48-hour (laughs) shifts? Yeah, I think as a 65-year-old, I can really see that that appealing. I could, yeah, I could get my first junior house job at 72. (laughs) That would be perfect.
0: Well, I thought just to check, just to make sure you didn't want to make a career handbrake turn, there's some questions on the Association of American Medical Colleges website. Okay, um, right. It has a little bunch of questions that you need to ask yourself to see whether or not you're the right <laughs> kind of person for a okay. medical career. So I thought I'd ask them. So, one, do you enjoy helping people with your skills and knowledge?
1: Uh, yes. Oftentimes I find that um, if somebody, say, has broken down at the side of the road, I will stop maybe make a joke about the situation, take, take the mickey out of them a bit, ask them where they're from, what they do as a living, belittle them, uh, and then I get back in my car and drive off. So I, don't, I, don't, I, ima- I imagine that's helpful. I've, I've never asked for a response.
0: <laughs> OK, that's good. Second one. Do you enjoy learning, gaining new understanding? Do you often dig deeper into a subject than your teacher requires? Do you understand the value of learning beyond just making good grades?
1: Yes, I do. I I absolutely love all those things, but I don't dig deeply into any subject. I'm one of those boys that you read about, and uh, what boys do is that we tend to... um we quite like facts, you know, pub pub facts, pub quiz facts, kind of level of understanding, don't we, of things? I do like that. Well, I've done these various stand-up shows over the years about you know evolution and history and the periodic table and stuff, which are all heavy subjects. Well, they are heavy subjects, but they're all jokes. It's all jokes. <laughs> no, you won't. If you've come out learning something, then that's a bonus. Or maybe you should have known it in the first place. <laughs> but but it's all basically jokes. But. But that's that. You see, that's my problem with learning is that I get I get one stage and think of a joke about it. That's hilarious. Move on. So. um, So, yeah. Yeah. I like learning, but not too deep.
0: Okay, uh, next one is, are you interested in how the human body functions? Are you intrigued by the ways in which medicine can be used to improve life? I think
1: as you get older, you're more and more intrigued by how the human body functions. And you're definitely more interested in how medical science can be used to save, prolong and and improve the quality of life. Uh, I would definitely put myself, because you spend most of your time going, what is that hair for? Why, why is that hair there? I wasn't there yesterday. <laughs> And why is it that colour? <laughs> these are—I the, mean, these are the only. I would hope these are would only be starting points in my <laughs> medical research. But as I say, I don't really delve very deeply <laughs> into subjects. Maybe I'd only be able to tell you at the end of my medical training what hairs are for at any given point on the body and why they are that colour.
0: <laughs> you could be a specialist. A yeah. lot of people want to know that sort of
1: thing. Yeah. Well.
0: Okay. Final question. Do you care deeply about other people, their problems and their pain? No. Absolutely <laughs> oh. not. No.
1: See, we almost no. had. nuts to them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we almost had a full yes. But I think that's good. That means that you're not the right person for a medical career. Yeah, so You're yeah. on the right track yeah. doing
1: what you're doing. I, I am immensely shallow as well, it, mu- <laughs> it must be said. And, that, and that's not to say that doctors are all deep or philosophical. I don't imagine they've got time to be. But I, I don't know. I can't. I think I managed to write myself a sitcom in which I could wear a white coat most of the time. So surely what I've done <laughs> is take it, brought to bear the skills that I have on the ability, uh, you know, to, to, to get myself into a situation where I could wear a white coat. That's that's done. The dream is over for me. I've ticked <laughs> the box I needed to tick.
0: Um, live dates coming up. Your website, if people do want to check, is?
1: Well, it's complicated, so do try and pay attention. It's uh, <laughs> it's three W's. That's one of those letters towards the end of the chris addison uk if you're tremendously patriotic, or .com if you just want to use one for your pieces of punctuation. <laughs> and they both work. They both work equally well. They don't go to one site has an American accent, <laughs> um, but since it's on the page, you can't tell.
0: Right, Chris Addison, thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for listening. If you like that you'll probably love the book that I put together with Deborah Francis White called Off the Mic, The World's Best Stand-Up Comedians Get Serious About Comedy So asking them things like what's your writing process, how do you find your voice, what do you think about touring how do you deal with hecklers We interviewed 42 stand-ups including Eddie Izzard, Sarah Millican Phil Jupiter, Stuart Lee Mark Marin. It's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. If you want to find out more, go to yesyes yes, Marsha.com forward slash off the mic.